0: Hello and welcome to How to Money, a financial education podcast for young Australians aimed at opening up the conversation around money. In each episode, your host, Kate Campbell, brings in a variety of guests to explore everything from buying shares to starting your own business, all with the aim of kickstarting your personal finance journey. Just a quick reminder that everything we cover in this podcast is for financial education purposes only, and we are not giving you any advice. If you do want advice, please seek the help of a qualified and competent professional and do some research. Remember, it's your money,
1: so take control. Hi, Veronica. Thank you so much for joining me on the How To Money podcast today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me, Kate. Well, before we get started, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you and what you currently do in the property industry.
2: Well, I've been a I've been in real estate now for over twenty years and sort of accidentally got into it in a way, but it, it's my true passion, I just love it. And so I started off selling property for six years and then I've since then I've been on the buying side so I've been helping buyers. And in that process, I've just learnt, I guess it it's naturally for me, I'm a critical thinker naturally, so therefore being on the buying side is for me a lot more interesting than being on the mm. selling side. And, you know, over the last few years, I've really delved into the psychology of buying property as well and selling to to a certain degree and why we do the things we do, why we buy the things, you know, why we make these crazy decisions in some cases when it's got so much money involved. And so, you know, I've, I've been a, a podcast host now of The Elephant in the Room, but also I've got a buyers agency, which is Good Dees Property Buyers Agents. Also, I've started off uh, a joint venture with Megan Wells, another buyers agent, Called Home Buyer Academy, which is teaching first home buyers because it's so important to get on that first rung, you know, nice, firm, solid first rung and and really resist all the temptations of, you know, that's thrown in the way of first home buyers. And and I've written a book called Auction Ready. So that's all about, you know, really how to give yourself an advantage at auction. So I, you know, this is just it's a bit sad, but um, I'm, you know,
1: it's my life, but I do love it. So these mm. are the things that I do and think about even when I'm on holidays. Awesome. So to dive in, I was wondering what are some of the different ways that you can purchase a property in Australia? Well, when you say what are the
2: some of the different ways, let's can we stick to residential because that's my area of expertise. So yeah. obviously you can buy industrial, you can buy commercial, you can buy in a property trust, you can buy there's so many mm-hmm. different ways you can buy property, but for me it's residential and obviously there's there's generally Two different types of residential. If you're going to, um, well, first of all, you're going to live in it or you're going to buy as an investment. But then there's obviously houses and they may be freestanding or they may be attached. And then there's strata property or community title property, depending on where you are. And they would be apartments, villas, or townhouses. So there's all different types of property that you could buy, different reasons for buying those property. And then you've got the methods of buying the property. And it's
1: usually either by auction or by negotiation or private treaty. Mm. And uh, I was told you were quite an expert on the auction process, which is uh, what I wanted to really dive in with you today because I've never covered that on the podcast before. I find auctions fascinating. They are just um, a whole process
2: of auction, the way the agent works through an auction campaign, what's going on in the minds of buyers and sellers during an auction campaign, the dialogue that's used, the quoting process you know, all of that I just find absolutely um, fascinating, which is why I wrote the book, Auction Ready, Mm -hmm. because I just felt that most people go completely unprepared to auction Mm -hmm. and it's sort of, and I watch people's faces. I find I go to auctions, you know, for sport really, and when I watch (laughs) people's faces, it dawns on me in the middle of the auction that they're out of depth and it's such a common expression that I see on people's faces. So, yeah, I find auctions absolutely fascinating.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, I've only watched a few and they just seem quite intimidating, especially with the the auctioneer rattling off prices and various all sorts of things. So I thought it'd be really great to go through it today. So to start with, what do you think some of the common mistakes first home buyers make with the auction process? It's not just first home buyers actually. It's it's all home
2: buyers when it comes to auction. I think probably the number one mistake is that they don't set their limit, their price limit, before they go to auction. And in the middle of the auction is not the time to be trying to work out, oh, is it worth it? Should I pay that? What if I don't pay that? What if I do pay that? What if would my husband or wife, partner, whatever, you know, do they agree with me? I mean, this is, and you see conversations between couples in the middle of an auction that they're actually mm. then deciding what they should be paying for that property. That is not the time. And that is something that I just see time and time again, a lack of preparedness. There's loads of other stuff you need to do before auction,
1: before you go to buy at auction, but that is probably the number one thing that I see. Awesome. So what are some of the basic rules of auctions in Australia? Because I know there are quite a few state-specific rules Mm -hmm. from from some research I did, but what are sort of the the general concepts and rules in Australia?
2: Yeah, and I I think it is important to understand that every state does have different legislation when it comes to property, (laughs) which is just... Well, it's a complicated minefield, but there are some absolute commonalities when it comes to auction. The first one is that um, it's you buy at auction, you buy without a cooling off period. Mm. So that means that you have had to have done all of your due diligence. You have had to have your your finance sorted. Everything there's no conditions on an auction purchase, and that's universal. That goes across the board, and so that's that changes the way, in fact, buyers have to approach you know, the the purchasing process and other commonalities. In most states, not in Victoria though, weirdly enough, you have to register to bid at auction. And that was designed, certainly in New South Wales, that came in in 2003, and that was designed to eliminate dummy bidding, you know. So, it was pretty rife in the industry um, by, by all accounts. And, um so by having to register, therefore, it makes it easy to track. Obviously, who's actually bidding, and there's certain requirements there. So that's something that is is the situation in most states. But I think the stuff that's not in the legislation around auction is that the commonality doesn't matter where you are is that the buyer is un. It's not a level playing field. The buyer, the individual buyer, knows a fraction of the information that the agent knows, and Anybody who says oh, I'm a good negotiator, or oh, I'm really good at you know public speaking, or I'm confident, or whatever, they go into these auctions and they are absolutely unfairly matched, and they don't even realise it. And sometimes they don't even realise it when they're there. To be honest, I see a lot of alpha mm. males never <laughs> realise they're <laughs> completely outgunned. And auctioneers love them, you know, absolutely love an alpha male turning up to auction. But I think that's that the the other universal thing is that buyers oh the overconfidence some buyers have is very much due to that lack of appreciation of exactly how much information the agent has that they will never have. And then the flip side, you get other people that are very underconfident at auction and they will often try to buy the property prior to auction. So they'll try to avoid competition. They're really worried about that. And so they will be the ones often that will try to make an offer prior. And often they don't realise that that is is actually not necessarily in their advantage either because that's a very blind process, whereas an auction is a transparent.
1: Yeah, I think I was under the I was under the misconception that um, the auction would be where the highest price is sort of achieved, and that if you bought before the auction, you'd probably be paying a lesser price. Mm,
2: yeah, a lot of people think that, and that's why that was what motivates them to actually make, try to buy it prior. They're wanting to avoid competition, thinking that's what drives the price up but if you're blind mm. and that agent is particularly skilled or you're fearful enough you know they will actually work you up and you've got no idea whether there's other other buyers there or not you know and you can once you're in it you, you can lose all sense of of you know the consistency bias kicks in you know your mind you've started the process you, you, your brain says you want to continue this process and so you're in there and um, mm. and it can be very dangerous the the pre-auction offer processes are very dangerous for buyers. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And I guess because you don't really know what the playing field is at all and what the price could be if it did go to auction.
2: Well, and there's not exactly, there's no parallel Mm. universe. And so understanding exactly what the price is before you go to auction is so critical because even if you're going to make offers prior, there'll be times when an agent, they know that they don't have a lot of interest and they will try to get you to make an offer. And Mm -hmm. if they're working on you and there's one other interested buyer, they'll be working on them too. And if one of you makes an offer, then that's the sort of the process is blown. You can't hold out and go to auction. You're going to have to make an offer if you want to buy that property. So understanding all of that, what's going on and then how to play it, you know, it, it comes right back to that fundamentals. As I said, understanding what that property is worth and what you're prepared to pay for it under pressure helps you navigate
1: that hmm and one of the things I often see with an auction is that they have a price guide so I was wondering if you could sort of elaborate on how that works and (laughs) what that is
2: yes so every state um and territory has legislation for how agents are allowed to give guides okay so in Queensland there is legislation that says you cannot give a guide so they've got ways around that they'll give you a list of recent sales and you sort of draw your own conclusions but um but you, the agent can't give a guide. Um, in mm-hmm. New South Wales and, and Victoria, they're somewhat similar in terms of the legislation. So the idea being that the agent can't overquote to the owner, they can't go into a, a listing presentation and, and sell their superior negotiation capabilities, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, Madam, Mr, you know, you're going to get a million when they really think 900, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then go to the buyers and say, well, you, you can get it for eight. And so they're trying to take that out of it, but they'll never get it out fully because that's sort of the way everything works. So generally speaking, and I think if every buyer can think, okay, every agent is really going to try and quote the least amount that they can because they're trying to, they're trying to build competition. It's like, I love the, the, you know, the old, how do you boil a frog? If you throw a frog in a pot of boiling water, it's going to jump out, apparently. I've really yet to see that. But if you put a frog in a pot of cold water and you slowly turn up the heat, you will boil the frog. And that is basically, you know, the theory or the philosophy behind auction quoting. So if you accept that every agent is going to be quoting as low as they can get away with legally, right, then... The other thing that that buyers have to understand is that not every agent actually quotes exactly the same way. So agent A might quote, you know, really, really push the bounds of reality. And agent B might be a bit ethical and go, oh, but I really want to quote exactly what I think it's going to go for. And buyers, if they add 10% to everything, are going to not go for agent B's property when they probably should. And they'll go for agent A's and they'll, be, they'll hate agents because they would have paid for building a piston, et cetera, et cetera, and, and, <laughs> and believe the agent, you know. So buyers yeah. have to understand and they have to actually do their own research, which is another reason why I read the, wrote the book, um, because mm-hmm. it, the buyer has a responsibility to do their research when they're buying something so expensive as a property.
1: Yeah. And I guess it comes to actually looking at what comparable sales nearby instead of just trusting the price guide as well. Can I give a little plug here? Do you mind? Yeah, absolutely. So
2: I've actually got in Home Bar Academy, we've got a free course. It's a mini course, three short videos, which teaches you how to price a property because it is very important that you do look at recent sales rather than what's advertised and a lot of buyers they do they look at they compare what's on the market now instead of what has sold and so this is a it's a very it's not a simple process really but it's it's a step-by-step process that teaches you so it's just the um website's just homebuyeracademy.com.au forward slash free course simple as that but (laughs) that is a great way i mean that's a sort of a a cut down simplified version of what we do in our in my business Mm. But you have to do that. You can't take shortcuts and, and you can't yeah. take agents at their word.
1: Yeah, and I think that's quite interesting because the agent does make you feel like he's working for you when he's he makes everyone feel or he or she makes everyone feel like that when really they're probably working just for themselves, aren't they, at the end of the day for the commission?
2: <laughs> well, this is the thing. I mean, a good agent is going to work with the buyers because at the end of the day, mm. a good working with the buyers gives you a good Potential for an outcome for your vendor. The vendor is paying for the agent. Yes, you're absolutely right. If that vendor chooses not to sell for whatever reason, that agent doesn't get any pay whatsoever. They work for Mm. free. So fundamentally, and this is unfortunately the structure of the industry, it sets it up so that the agent really is working for themselves number one, and the vendor number Mm. two, and buyers really that's just as a as a a, a, you know collateral damage, if you like, in terms (laughs) of getting the
1: job done. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite quite interesting um watching that dynamic as well and the various players in the industry and how they interact with the consumers.
2: Yeah, and look there are some very very good agents and even those that employ all the tactics. I mean, they're professional and they do they've got a job to do, you know, and they've got to mm-hmm. to sell that property and 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 you know, I don't hate agents. So I I am one, you know. So yeah. <laughs> just um, but I think everyone has to remember what their job is and not and not to mm-hmm. think that they're meant to be helping the buyer. I mean, As I said, they help the buyer in so far that it gets the job done.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you've got to make sure you uh, know who's working for who and where the money is. That's always with finance, where is the money coming from and how are they getting paid? Mm, Yes. (laughs) So how do you sort of go into an auction and know what your maximum bid is? Because often you hear the horror stories of people just uh, going way over their budget and maybe way over what they actually have available to spend on a property yeah well once again it's researching what it's worth is part of the process and that's a
2: really important thing to do you do have to decide what it's worth to you and there's a number of elements involved in this i mean firstly how good is it as an asset a lot of a lot of buyers particularly first home buyers they will err towards the property that's easy to buy it feels so hard to get into the in, into the market mm. right so they go oh, i'll go for something that's easy the problem is with something's easy anything's easy to buy is hard to sell and mm. you do never want to own a property that's hard to sell yeah. and a lot of them are i would say you know I, in my business i say really and truly probably go for five percent of properties worth buying so yeah that's pretty that's a pretty low but sorry high but mm. so in order to go to auction you have to work out well a what's it worth in terms of the market what's its market value b how good is it really you know, is it mm. going to be easy to buy? Well, if it's easy to buy, my limit should be really low. As in, mm. I don't I don't want to pay a lot of money for that property. Yeah. Um, if it's hard to buy, is it hard to buy because it's competitive and it's a good asset and it's more likely to go up in value at a greater rate than anything else? In which case, it's worth pushing yourself a little bit more for a really good asset that That capital growth-wise, down the track when you want to upgrade, you want to downsize whatever you want to do, you're going to be in a better position because you bought a better asset today, then that's something to push yourself for. Um, and then obviously you've got your, you know, your requirements and how unique your requirements are and how many other properties are are around that suit those requirements. You might have quite exacting requirements and, and you're prepared to buy a property that may not be that A grade, if you like, because it really suits you and you haven't seen anything for the last six months. Mm-hmm. In which you might push yourself a bit, but rather than pushing yourself in the middle of an auction because you get caught up in an auction frenzy and you go, oh, "I've got to pay whatever," because FOMO kicks in and it's like, "Oh," <laughs> and a lot of buyers say that, "I've got to pay whatever," or it, it feels hard, so I will just go to mm-hmm. my limit. I go to my limit. I don't care really what yeah. the property is worth. Th- they are really faulty, flawed ways of approaching an auction. You really do have to look at every property on its own merits. It's not about your budget. That's the last thing. You know, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it, but definitely do not go to, to auction with your budget as your limit, just because you think mm-hmm. like you're getting decision fatigue and it's getting too hard.
1: Yeah. So that I guess that's one of the, the main auction bidding strategies is actually work out what your budget is before you go in and know what your maximum limit is. What are some other auction bidding strategies that you have and various bidder types to Watch out for! I think it was one of your articles that I read, <laughs> where you've got the the young couple and you've got the retiree, the various bitter types to look out for.
2: Yeah, there's it's interesting. I um I think I wrote an article about f- the five most dangerous bidder types at auction, <laughs> and one mm-hmm. of them is the bank of mum and dad. You know, uh, we yeah. talked about the alpha the alpha male, and yeah, <laughs> so there, can, there can be alpha females as well. It's just that it's a little bit more common the alpha male. Mm. They are really hard to beat because they are, you know, they the value of the property goes out of their mind it's about winning and anyone Mm. who's in it just to win well they're really hard to beat if they've got more money than you and so that's another reason it's like it hurts to let someone like that win it but you are better to let someone like that win it you know let them Mm. just pay whatever (laughs) you know and uh so that's that type you also i mean certainly there are a lot of a lot of inexperienced bidders around who can be Mm sort of scared off and you know there's been times when I've stared down people but I have to say this is not for the faint-hearted and I've got it wrong at times too I've stared down the wrong people and they are just reared up against me so <laughs> I'm an expert I've been bidding at hundreds and hundreds of auctions and I can mm. still get it wrong this is a really difficult thing to master you know there's certain tactics like you know the knockout bid the a, a really strong opening bid but there's certain times when that is appropriate and other times when it isn't but once again you can't do that if you haven't really worked out what it's worth you know and also if you haven't gotten a sense for how competitive the room is so you know and there's in rooms and on site so they're sort of different scenarios so i recommend every single person who's who's buying in an auction area and obviously that's in a Mel- melbourne inner sydney and to a certain degree you've got auctions in brisbane and adelaide as well anybody and, and and sorry act anybody buying in those areas needs to go to auctions and observe them and see what goes on because and then you start picking up different types of bidders and mm. then you start to pick up okay well if if it's a, a room with a lot of there if there are a lot of bidders you might need to be more aggressive to try to knock out everyone who's there for wishful thinking if there's if mm. If you turn up and there's three registered bidders, I might hang back a little bit and see how confident these people are because maybe I could pick it up for less. If we're going too hard, I might hit it too hard. So there's got to be a lot of thinking behind, you know, how you do that. There's there are buyers that hang back and they've got this thing, oh, I never bid till it's on the market. Well, that's silly because it's never gonna get on the market unless people actually bid. So, Mm. you know, you've got to sort of get this idea out of your head about I'm not going to bid until this or that, whatever. It's like if you're going to be bidding, you have to be thinking, how am I going to bid? How can I turn this to my advantage? You know, like I I mix up my bids, for instance. Buyers give away loads of signs. They start with big bids and then it gets progressively smaller as they get to their limit. Mm. Then they get to 1,000s or 500s, look at their partner, give it away. They give the game away every single time. So it's around... Yeah. Being poker face and keeping people guessing, and that's that's really uh, I think a strategy that people need to 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 hone, and it's a hard one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned before when a property comes on the market during the auction. I don't. We haven't touched on that. Are you able to elaborate a little bit more on what that means?
2: Yeah. Most auctioneers don't like the term, right? So when when an auctioneer, if an auctioneer says the property is now on the market, what that means is that the reserve has been reached. Mm. So that reserve price is the written reserve that they can't sell under without the vendor actually expressly changing that. And it can be done. Mm. Reserve can be changed, unless it's by court order or something like that. The reserve can be changed. So. Yep. Some auctioneers still use that terminology. It's on now on the market. So then every buyer knows, oh, God, this is for keeps. We're not playing anymore. You know, this is going to sell. So, And often they'll use some form of that because what they do want to do is create urgency. But generally speaking, they don't want to wait till then for buyers to feel a sense of urgency. So they they will try to avoid having buyers expecting that terminology because yeah. they want the buyer to bid before then. And so they will do things like, calling once, calling twice, calling, and then hopefully flush out people who are really still into it well before it actually is going to sell. And there's a difference in urgency and cadence of the way they do that as well. Um, so that whole terminology of on the market, you'll you'll often see uh, or hear auctioneers stand up and say, I'm not going to call it on the market. So if you want to bid, you better bid because I could just sell it without you realizing it. And I can tell the difference." because mm. I go to so many auctions, but the average buyer, and it's difficult, average buyer yeah. will not know
1: the difference. Mm, and it's interesting the different, yeah, strategies they have. They always have that certain way of speaking and mm. going once, going twice and the different pattern. it gets very fast and frenetic. Yeah. Oh, they I definitely
2: use, yeah, and they definitely use the tempo of their voice. They will slow things down if they really want to get into someone's mind and encourage them to keep bidding. Other times they'll ramp it up so that people don't have a, t- a moment to think. They'll use a gavel or, or a rolled-up um, contract as a sort of a, a, a visual prompt. prop. Mm. Yeah, and they do it all day in, day out. You know, they're very practiced yeah. at this. Yes,
1: yeah, so they're using really your psychology against you to get the mm. best bid possible. Exactly right. So on that, what are some strategies to keep emotions out of the bidding process? Because I've, when I've gone for a few just to have a look, it just seems like if you were bidding, you could just get carried away so easily. Well, obviously the number one
2: strategy is to hire a buyer's agent.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, uh,
2: but you want to make sure if you do do that, by the way, make sure that they really understand auctions because a lot don't. Mm. So, you know, you, you want to get one that is very, very practiced in that area. Yeah. Um, I think we need to acknowledge that everybody has emotion when buying property it's impossible mm. to avoid. So the minute you start trying to avoid emotion another emotion is driving you and that is fear which is an emotion right? So mm. so the fact is that you know yes we want to make these sort of really cold hard you know, fact-based decisions, but there's always going to be an element of emotion involved. So, and this is why I sort of, I do keep going back to being prepared, knowing and having really thought it through, not just researching price and, and setting your price, but pressure testing that price. So if someone paid an extra 10 how would I feel the next day? Well, I feel sick because I really could have paid it or should have paid mm. it and it was sort of worth it, or will I be relieved that I didn't pay that price? And and sort of have those sort of conversations before the auction. Because mm. what people do, they go in with in their minds this the, the price that they set is I'd like to pay X. And that's like their limit, but it's not mm. really their limit. And it's not until the auction when they're forced. To face the reality of oh, I like to pay that. However, I'm not going to get it for that. Someone else is going to pay more. Mm. That you have to, you know, to re, uh, reassess that. And so, you know, I, honestly, I think that that is the probably the single biggest tip I've got for people is to if you set your price and pressure test it before the auction, you will be a lot calmer than if you haven't gone through that exercise.
1: Yeah, like really thinking through. If it does go over my price, how much am I willing to pay? Because I think it's really interesting when they start going up by $500 or $1,000 increments because you could just go, well, $1,000 isn't that much for my dream house. And then how how far can that go?
2: Well, it can go a long way. And in fact, I might have even written about this example in my book, but I saw an auction once where it went up by $100,000 in $1,000 bids, you know, and both of those couples were over their limit. I could tell they were both over the limit at the beginning of that hundred thousand dollar journey. Mm. So it can go a long way, and so being understanding what your limit is and understanding what can happen, you can then maybe what if you what if someone chucked in a seven thousand dollar bid for argument's sake? It probably would have mm. disrupted the whole. They're sort of in this rhythm, you know. The auctioneers working them, and they're doing their thing and the is loving it and, and these yeah. buyers each one thinks one more is going to do it because the other one's showing that they're close to the limit and they think well, one of these is going to do it surely seven would probably do it might pull it up 50 grand short you know it, it's but most buyers aren't brave enough to do that and as I said it comes back to understanding their limit and and what the property's worth in the first
1: place it gives you more confidence to be a bit more bullshit at that point. Mm, absolutely well before we finish up i was wondering if you could share based on all your experience what are some of your best tips for first home buyers (laughs) so um i will say just
2: if people hang around i will give a code a discount code for the book too if they want to get 30 percent off and i'll even chuck in free postage but first, first home buyers oh my god the biggest tip I can give a first home buyer is to understand that the federal and state government grants for first home buyers are actually not designed for you to help you. And sure enough, they'll get you into the property market, but they are designed to help jobs and the construction industry. Or by helping the construction industry helps jobs, it creates jobs, keeps jobs. The construction industry uh employs a million people in this country. It's a, I think the second biggest industry or something. Mm-hmm you know, first home buyers are the fuel for this fire of our economy. And, you know, I'm a bit conflicted here because of course I want a healthy economy, but first home buyers buying brand new property, most of the time they could do better by not buying brand new property, but they're not looking at other existing stock because they're thinking about the money grab. They're thinking, I need to get this money that's on offer because it's been given to me and it's a privilege because I'm a first home buyer, et cetera, et cetera. The reality is it isn't for you. It's to get you into the market to stimulate the economy. And the problem is with new property is that generally speaking, there's a massive problem with it and that is that, that of scarcity. And by not being scarce it and by ongoing supply, et cetera, et cetera, forget build quality apartments, all that sort of stuff, the scarcity issue means that you probably are not going to see a lot of capital growth in your maybe first 10 years of ownership. And that's not a good thing when it comes to property. You're borrowing a lot of money and Mm. without without capital growth, I don't see a point in borrowing lots and lots of money. And Mm. You've got a real risk of negative equity, and that means where you owe the bank more money than that property is worth. It's a bit like a new car, it's worth less money when you drive out the showroom. So this is my big warning, warning message to first home buyers. Don't get sucked into the, the trap of thinking these grants are for you. They're not for you. They're for you to fuel the economy. And if you can get out of that and start looking at other existing properties,
1: you're going to have a very different um, viewpoint and you'll have a different perception of value as well. Mm, and knowing you've got those grants available might put blinkers on when you're doing that search for your first home. And you might not actually look at all the options available because you want to use the grant.
2: Exactly right. 100%. There are, I think it's only the North, it's just the territories where the stamp duty incentive is not limited to new stock. Hmm. So and in Queensland, it's it's um it's new or significantly renovated. So basically redeveloped, you know. So yeah. so therefore, in every state, the stamp duty incentive is only if you are helping the construction industry. So, and Mm. ergo the economy, Uh, you know, I don't want, I'm not saying the construction industry is a bad, evil thing. I'm saying it's obviously necessary for our economy, but the reality is that every state you've got to think about, like you said before, where follow the money, you know? Mm. And so that's the big, my big, big, big message for first home buyers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, if people want to learn a bit more about you, read your book, take your course, where should they go? Yeah, so obviously first home buyer home bar academy.
2: We've got a course called um we've got that little free course, as I mentioned. So it's homebuyeracademy.com.au dot AU forward slash free course. We also actually have been working on um, building your your First Home Buyer Guide, which is an online course and mentoring program for first home buyers. We've just finished up our first beta group and we're just launching our second beta group. So that's really, really exciting stuff. And then obviously the book, which is um, auctionready.com.au and the code to get 30% off is just how to money or one word. So into that you'll get 30% off and free uh, postage. And then obviously The Elephant in the Room, which is our podcast, The, the Elephant in the Room com dot au or just on itunes or spotify wherever you get your podcasts that is all about you know talking about the psychology of buying but also the the things that other people don't talk about you know the elephants in the mm. room so you know i i've got my business where you
1: can find my you can find me in my business in sydney if you want to via all those channels wonderful well it's amazing to have so many resources out there especially for first home buyers because it is such a massive financial decision so it's it's important to have as many sort of tools up your belt as possible before making that decision
2: absolutely and I feel so passionate about it. I look you know I am gen x <laughs> so not a baby boomer at least um but I am gen x and I look back at you know I bought my first property when I was 27 uh it was it was small and my journey I, I made a lot of mistakes through my years mm. and and if I'd had guidance I would have made different decisions and I I, I sort of worked it out one day I'd probably be a million dollars better off today I think, and I worked out just just different decisions in terms of mortgage structuring and whether I got an accountant on board and stuff like mm. that. So, and and as, as, opposed, as well as obviously the, the properties that I bought and when I sold, et cetera, et cetera. But, but even though I'm sort of a million dollars down on the perfect uh, run <laughs> of decision making, I'm in a very comfortable financial position because of the good decisions I made along the way and I Mm -hmm. want that for every first home buyer I want them at my age to have the options that I have because of the good decisions that they made at the very beginning of their home buying journey home ownership journey and it's possible um but it's it's becoming increasingly, uh, what's the word, increasingly hard to do it because of all the temptations that could set them off on the wrong path.
1: Well, Veronica, with that, I think that's a perfect way to end the podcast. So thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing all your wisdom uh, for my listeners. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, Kate.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the How To Money Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and send any questions our way via www.howtomoney.online. You can also catch us on Twitter and Instagram at howtomoneyaus and we'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to the How To Money Podcast.